Have you been playing around with the idea of adding education or speaking as a source of revenue for your business? I know many podcasters are using their podcasts to share their knowledge and build relationships with an audience that may need their services or may just need their expertise. So today I brought on the expert of all things education and speaking, Laylee Amadi. Laylee and I have worked together for many years and it was an honor to interview her not only here on the podcast, but also inside of Mike Check Society. She shared some of her best tips, tricks, and best practices for podcasters who are looking to become educators, but also get on stages. So head over to Mike Check Society if you want to check out our one-on-one bonus conversation after the podcast. Hey y'all, welcome to the Clocking In Podcast, the podcast for podcasters, entrepreneurs, and professionals making their way in the working world while building their own personal brand in the podcasting industry. I'm your host, Haley Gaffin, owner of Gaffin Creative, a podcast production company for creative entrepreneurs. If you're a podcaster or even just dreaming about launching your own podcast someday, this show was built to help you merge your love of conversation, education, and business. You can find resources, show notes, and more for the Clocking In podcast at gaffincreative.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Mike Check Society, a community that was built for podcasters who are looking to take their podcast from good to great. Scale your podcasts, improve your processes, and connect with your listeners through our educational trainings, our private members-only community, and our monthly calls. If you're ready to join us, you can head over to MikeCheckSociety.com and enroll today. And you can get $10 off per month with the code PODCAST. Now, let's clock in and get to work. Laylee, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm honored to have you on the show. I wanted to bring you on because so many podcasters are on a journey to becoming educators or even speakers in their respective industry. And I knew that you would be the best person to help guide them on their journey. So before we dive too far into this conversation, I'd love to have you share a quick overview of why you're so passionate about education and speaking along with changing the face of these particular roles in our industry. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here, Haley. Thank you for having me. I'm so passionate about this. As you know, I like get up on soapboxes about these topics all the time. I get really fiery about it. Um, I just, I truly believe, and like this has kind of like been the catchphrase of everything I do, but I really do believe that industries thrive when people when experts can share their knowledge and share it well. And when I was up and coming in this industry a decade ago, which is insane to say, I just saw a really big gap between experts and being able to share their knowledge well. Um, I come from the education industry. I was a high school teacher and curriculum designer for a local school district. And I just feel really passionately that if you can teach things well, then people can do better things with them and then that ripple effect can continue on. So that's kind of like where my passion comes from. A little bit of, you know, excitement and love and, you know, investment in the creative industry, but also the same love and passion and investment in the education industry. So like the way that they combine is where that fire comes from for me. I think that's so beneficial to the industry as a whole. And like, I've heard you talk about it so much over the years that we've known each other and just the impact that you're trying to make and, and almost like a regulation of, of finding valuable and 
impactful education since there is no regulation. But one of the reasons I brought you on was because I obviously work with podcasters a ton who always show an interest in education and even speaking because we are actively speaking all the time on our shows. And I want to know, why do you think that podcasters kind of transition very well or make a perfect fit for speakers and educators or vice versa? Maybe we have speakers and educators who are looking to start a podcast. How do the two complement each other? I mean, I think it's just the perfect fit. It's one of those things where I didn't I believed this before I even thought about it. I think when I came up with the concept for my podcast, which has been around for four years now, which is crazy. Um, And you've been with me since day one. Y'all shout out Gaffin Creative. Uh, But really, honestly, I, I think I wanted to start a podcast as somebody who full transparency, I was never a podcast listener. Like I never loved podcasts, but I thought... I love talking to people. I love teaching people. I do better verbally processing and vocalizing my thoughts. And I'm more transparent when I'm talking to you versus writing out a blog post or whatever. And so it was a very natural thing for me to be like, okay, this is definitely a great place for me to go ahead and share my knowledge with an easier barrier to entry than something like YouTube that takes video editing and voice and everything. And I just like, I was like, this is easier for me to just get on a mic and talk to people as though they're sitting in my room. And I think that the progression for people who want to become podcasters as educators is really natural. I think sometimes people start a podcast because they have some stage fright and they don't want to show their faces. And then that progression from podcaster to speaker might be a little bit scarier, but I actually think you're so well equipped to do it after getting to podcast for a little while, you get warmed up. You get used to people hearing you talk and sharing your thoughts and receiving them and then giving you feedback that I think it's very like a very natural next step to then take stages, whatever those stages may look like. But the comfort level grows, I think, with experience and practice. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm the person you're talking about, the one that's like, I can get on a podcast, I can talk, but get on a stage, oh my gosh. Like, I remember being at the Creative Educator Conference this year and going on stage to, like, make an announcement, and I was like, oh, I don't do this. But you did great. But you did great. Once I was up there, I felt comfortable, and I was like, okay, maybe this is something I could work on, so I'll come to you when that happens, because... I don't know. There's ner- There are so many nerves getting on a stage and I feel like there's not nearly as many getting behind a microphone and like just talking to one person or talking with yourself. Even like Facebook lives. I have in Mic Check Society, that has been a huge thing I've been doing is trying to do, try, trying, I say trying to do weekly Facebook lives where I'm like jumping on, I'm repurposing content. Like I'm making it easy on myself finding a piece of content, I've already created it, sharing it into the group verbally. Usually it's like a blog post or maybe it's something that's in the news. And I am trying to like just be on the spot and not like there's no editing, there's nothing. (laughs) So, but you also mentioned the barriers that come with so many other platforms like YouTube and video. And podcasting is moving more into the video space. We're recording video today for social, but I also totally agree with what you're saying. Like I started in the podcasting, like I decided to move into podcasting as a career business because there were so few barriers to entry for people who were not ready to get on YouTube or were not ready to be on camera. And it's an easier way to create content. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And, um, 
along with podcasting and YouTube, there are a lot of realities that people don't talk about alongside that is speaking in education because it's not an overnight success. So what can those listeners who are just starting out with a podcast or speaking or education expect as they're starting their journey? Oh my gosh, that's a, that is a loaded question, but it's a great question. I think that, I mean, you can expect a lot of things from, from this journey. One, you can expect a good amount of rejection. I'm just going to go ahead and start. I'm going to start with the negative. Let's, let's go for it. Um, and I honestly don't think of it as negative, but you can, you can expect to learn how to handle rejection. You can expect to grow a thicker skin because you're going to learn how to disassociate your worth from somebody's yes. Um, You're going to learn how to sell yourself better than you ever have before because you're going to learn how to pitch yourself well and thoughtfully and thoroughly. Um, You can expect amazing relationships that come from when you do take stages and you do show up in spaces, whether virtually or in person. You can expect a long journey. I mean, and the thing with that is that that shouldn't be a scary thing. I think we in general as a society, not to get like up on the whole social media soapbox, but we have this expectation of quick success, quick wins. I I don't see that happen for a lot of people in this <laughs> industry. I see, I see grit and I see long haul and I see dedication and I see pushing forward. Those are the things that I see out of my like clients who are on this journey and honestly out of myself over the past decade of this is something I want to pursue and it's something I want to pursue for the long term. So it's okay if it takes me the long term to get there. So um, that's kind of like a quick summary, I guess, of like the things that people don't talk about is the hardships. But I like to reframe those hardships into learning lessons. I mean, that's like such a high school teacher in me, but like life lessons with Miss Amati were like a thing when I used to teach. And this was like a life lesson. Like every rejection is a way to work on yourself and better yourself and reevaluate what you think you know about what it is that you do. Ooh, that's like, that's going to be a clip on (laughs) social media. I, okay. So I was one of the people that like did not pitch myself. I still hesitate to pitch myself for things because of that rejection. And so over the last month, I have been rejected from three things I really, really wanted. And I, in in every single situation, I learned something new about like something I could fix for the future. Um, A lot of it was money related. It was like grants and scholarship things that I was trying to get because I have big ideas. And I learned from one of them, like the idea I pitched was not a great idea. What I should have pitched was this bigger picture that would impact so many more people. But I never would have thought that until I got rejected and saw what the winners got or like what they pitched. And I was like, okay, so learn something new from every rejection. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes with speaking too. Like, um, I know we talked about this in a recent episode on your podcast of like your role in having to select speakers for the creative educator conference and how hard that is not only on the speakers who are quote unquote rejected, just being said no to this year, but like also how hard it is on you as the person who is selecting them. And do you have any advice in that situation where like, 
it may just be a no for right now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, talk about like triggering for me right now. I'm, I'm in the process of sending out like offers and sending out the, you know, we didn't select you this year, those emails. And it is, I I don't think I was prepared for how hard it would be this time around. I'm pretty experienced in that. I've, you know, not just in this industry, but you know, I was a dance coach for a long time. And so people audition and they don't get it. And I had to say no. I've been saying no to people for, you know, my whole adult life. And, but it is hard. My heart literally aches. Like I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I feel so bad. I I think I feel worse than the people who are going to hear the no. So first (laughs) off, just know that like nobody, nobody like loves the feeling of, of saying, saying not this time and hearing not this time. It's like, equally as as hurtful but my recommendation is to try to do what I'm not doing and like take the emotion out of it I want to applaud you Haley when you were talking about the things that you got quote-unquote rejected for and learning from them and looking at the winner and learning from what they were looking for through that process because I think human nature I'll even say I have a client who I love dearly and she knows like I literally give her crap for this all the time She knows I would say this to her and I have said this to her before, but she gets so upset that she honestly takes it out on the person who was selected. She's like, they're no better than me. I don't know why like (laughs) so-and-so got chosen over me. They're not as qualified. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to hold on a second. We're not going to like look at other people and say how we're better. We're going to look at all of the surrounding things. So that would lead me to the advice, which is we're going to look at why not right now? Is it the topic? Mm-hmm. Is it the pitch? Is it the experience level? Is it the event and the audience versus what you are offering to give? Like there's a reason in there. And while hosts typically don't have the time to go through every single person and give them the reason individually, um, I, as much as I wish I could do that, I just can't. But like my clients who I work with on their pitches and and they'll send me you know, Hey, I, I pitched to this, didn't get it. Here's who got it. I'll break it down with them and be like, I mean, I, I can't speak for a host, but if it were me, this is why, like, this would have been why I didn't take you. So putting yourself in the shoes of the person, the committee, the company making those selections and seeing like, where was the alignment not met and being willing to like critique yourself and be self-aware without tearing yourself down and without tearing anybody else down in the process. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so easy to do that. Like I do that all the time when, when I see like a a new podcaster is working with another podcast producer. Oh, of course I do it. Like, why didn't they pick me? They inquired with me and they didn't pick me. It happens. I'm not the right fit for them. And that's fine. Like there is a reason for it, but it's the same with speaking too. And even in podcast pitches, like I get pitches all the time and I am very particular. I don't host a ton of interviews. Like my goal is I'm going to move through all my clients before I ever start taking on non-clients to my podcast. And that's just because I do a ton of solo shows. And so I, I reject a ton of people for that reason. And that's not because they're not a good fit. Like I got one in my inbox today and I was like, oh, this is good, <laughs> but I don't have time for this yeah in my, just this year in my schedule. So I do think it's a, it's a big, like we, it's human for us to do that and to beat ourselves down. But what can you learn from is a good, a good, um, lesson there. 
As listeners begin their journey to speaking or education, what is one starting piece of advice you'd share with them to help them find success? Okay. I love this. Um, if you were just starting out and you don't already have like anything established in terms of education, my one piece of advice would be to start educating across all your platforms for free without anything to sell. These days, especially, I mean, always, but in particular right now, people are very skeptical of being sold to like on the internet. So um, you've got to create the no like, and trust that we've all already known about like forever. Everybody's always known about no like, and trust, but now it's even more important. So I'd say start sharing your skills, start sharing your information and your content, however you want to, whether it's like jumping on podcasts, little bite-sized things on social, wherever you hang out. Um, If you are already established as an educator and maybe you want to get into speaking, honestly, first step, start pitching yourself to places. Like, kick it old school, do some research, find places that are looking for guests. Maybe they're not saying they're looking for guests. You want to reach out to them and start pitching yourself because you will never improve your pitch without practice. If you can, if you have the resources to get a coach to help you with that, I always, I always say, get somebody to help you, especially if you've like never done this before. But if you don't just start, just try because you'll never learn if you don't try it in the first place. And now for the people that maybe can't afford a coach right now, you do have something in your shop I know about for specific to podcast pitching, right? Yes, I do. I have a podcast pitching guide (laughs) and we're actually, spoiler alert, we're working on some um, resources that are specific to speakers and we'll have some pitching resources in there too. So even if it's not in there at the time that this episode airs, you can like join my newsletter and and I'll send you stuff when I have it. Yes. And by the time this airs, you will also be opening the doors for ticket sales to the Creative Educator Conference 2024. So can you share a little bit about that? Because I'm excited to see, well, one, the speaker lineup, it should be out by then, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm excited to see the speakers that you have selected, but also see who all is going to go. So you still have tickets left or you should, maybe, maybe not. It depends on when this airs compared to your open date, but by the time this airs, it should be available for purchase. So, so share a little bit about the creative educator conference. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. I honestly, I can't believe that like it's already time to open registration and to like let tickets be out there. Um, It is an intimate conference for creative educators and speakers. So that's course creators, speakers, coaches, podcasters, people who want to create that. It's definitely for the more established entrepreneur who is, you don't have to be established in education, but you have, you should probably be established in order to be creating education. I'm going to be real about that. So I'm super excited. Uh, We're keeping it intimate with round two, but we are opening more tickets than we did for the first round of the conference. So um, we're about a quarter of the way sold out already, which is just crazy from returners, from people who want to come back. So that's a huge honor. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about attending, go learn about it now because I don't, I don't know. I mean, I literally don't know. Nobody could come. Everybody could come. We're going to (laughs) find out, but I'm excited to host it. The speaker lineup this year is insane. I mean, it's incredible. We have a couple people returning, but I always like to make room for, you know, obviously new speakers. The diversity across the board is insane. It's amazing. Not just diversity in like the typical sense, but diversity in topic, subject matter, 
life background, everything. I'm just, I'm very excited. You mentioned something that I do want to highlight since we are talking about speakers and education. And it's something that's really important to me. How, as especially as a white woman myself, I have found myself in situations where the lineup is not diverse and I've had to push back. Do you have any particular tips on how someone could ask, like, what does the lineup look like before I commit to this? Because you, I I see it happen all the time where they get in and it's not a diverse lineup. So do you have any advice for speakers in particular who are trying to pitch themselves and wanting to say yes to every opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there, this is kind of one of those hard topics where, I mean, it shouldn't be hard, but it might feel emotionally difficult when you are in the process of trying to grow your uh, career as a speaker, you get the yes. And then you see the lineup all looks like one person. And that doesn't sit right with you because ethically and morally, you want to make sure that there are diverse voices being heard on any stage that you take. And I just want to say one, like I applaud that. I think it's very important. I have, um, I actually might need to make this available even just like for free download in the shop, but I do have like templates that I send out. Maybe I'll make that available. I'm like brainstorming on your podcast. It's fine. But just, to, like, <laughs> I think you should. I, I think people need it. Yeah. Just as like even a free resource. Cause I feel like this is something that I'm really passionate about and I don't want to put it behind a money wall, but like even just a quick, what I do is I send a quick email that opens the conversation and I say like, first off, let me backtrack one second. When you get the yes, sometimes you don't know who else is on the panel. Like sometimes you don't know who else is on the speaker lineup. So the one thing that I do now is I ask. So I say like, hey, and I, I straight up say it. I don't, I don't beat around the bush. I'm like, hi, diversity is extremely important to me. It is a really big tenant of everything I do. I want to ensure that this is a diverse event. Would you mind sharing your current speaker lineup? I want to make sure that it aligns with my uh, core values of my business. Sometimes they'll say yes. Sometimes they'll say no. If they say no, I have a problem with that because I need to know who else is there. Like I want to put my name with the right names. If they say yes. And then you see, let's say hypothetically in the situation that you've brought up, Haley, like you see that everybody is exactly like you. Then I would say like, Hmm. Hey, I, unfortunately I don't feel comfortable endorsing and promoting this event as a speaker it's important to me to be able to be an active and dedicated like I I make the I make it clear that I take my job as a speaker very seriously and to me that includes promotion and I can't wholeheartedly promote an event that has zero diversity and then I offer resources because I never want to just like come into the attack for me and particularly as somebody who has done a lot of work in like helping people grow diversity in throughout their business, I want to be able to provide the right resources. So I say like, here are some people that if you're still looking for speakers, here's some people that are in alignment with whatever it is that your event is. If you don't have those kind of resources, start brainstorming with people. You know what I mean? Like there's things that you can do to think through. How can I help this host see what they're doing? And then if they're not willing to say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I didn't even think about it. I should have thought about it. Let me rectify the situation. If they're like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, I'm fine with the lack of diversity. <laughs> then I, I have to say like, for me, I say that I'm so sorry. I can't be a part of this event. I wish you all the best. I hope that you'll take my mm-hmm. speaker spot and give it to somebody who represents a different demographic. 
And then I peace out. Yeah, that's a good way to put it because I I have said no to someone who it was a f- all white speaker lineup, and I sent them two options and recommendations for who they could ask instead of me. They never asked, and yeah. I was so disappointed. And when people when I see it come up on other people's timeline that they're attending or maybe they're speaking at it, I I send them an email and I say, or even just on Instagram, I'll send them a DM and say. Hey, do you care if I share something about that event with you? Yeah. And I'd love to know because I, I agree. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that because I know it is, there's a lot of emotion with it and there's a lot, it, I almost feel like we feel a hesitation in saying something mm-hmm. versus just like ignoring the yes yeah. or, you know, uh, even considering thinking about it. So thank you for sharing that. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it can be a really hard conversation to have if you're not used to having those conversations. And so I just want to like empower anybody who's listening. Like you have every right to say no for any reason. Um, and, and you should never have to compromise your ethics and your morals to take any job just because you think it's going to move your career forward. There's no, I mean, you are worth so much more than that kind of compromise. So I always like to say, give people grace, give them a chance to fix the situation or to explain. Maybe there's, you know, a lot of times there is diversity mixed into the group that isn't visible. And so I want to know about that. Mm -hmm. Like I want to give people the chance to say like, oh, you know, I was on a, um, like years ago, there were several things that weren't visible to me that once I learned about, I was like, that's helpful. But of course I still encourage like, But if I'm not seeing it, nobody else is really seeing it either. So maybe we need to talk about that. But you do want to give people grace that maybe they are thinking about it, but it's just like they need that extra, that extra help. Yeah, I agree. Since we just shared a hot take that people are (laughs) probably like, okay. Um, I do have a question for you that you ask on your own podcast. And what is your unpopular opinion about speaking in education. Oh my gosh. Well, that last thing was totally could have been that, but I, I think that yeah. I honestly think the last, the last, the last question should be a popular opinion. So it's fine. Um, I think my unpopular opinion on speaking and creative education and creative industry and all of that is that even if you claim, and this is might feel like a personal attack, Haley, I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh. <laughs> even if you feel like speaking is not for me, I don't want to get on stages. Spoiler alert, we live in a day and age where you're already on a stage. This is a stage. You're on it right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like everybody utilizes speaking in their business. If they have a personal brand, a creative business where they are marketing themselves and the thing that they do you're speaking, bro. Like you have a course, you've got to teach, you've got to speak in it. So, um, grow that skill. Don't ignore it. You know, like don't, don't push it away and say, I have stage fright. Like you got to get over it. Cause you're already doing it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like sweating now. This is how I feel when I get on stages and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sweaty. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, I'll get over it one day. <laughs> And when I do, Laylee will be my coach. Laylee has been my coach basically since, I feel like since I met you. Yeah. Like, I hired you a few months after. No, I went to um, Next Level Retreat. Yeah. Like, right after. you. I think that may have been the first year you launched your podcast. Yeah. I went to the Next Level Retreat. And then I hired you for coaching right after yeah. because I was thinking about taking my business full time because I was doing it part time. 
And then I joined your mastermind. So yeah, Laylee's, I would call Laylee my business coach. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. I love that we just like met and immediately hired each other for everything. (laughs) Exactly. And Laylee did, I don't know if I've said this on my podcast. I know I've said it on yours, but Laylee trusted me when I had no idea what I was doing. And yeah, so I appreciate you, Laylee. It's okay. Neither did I. (laughs) Well, now we do. We are far more experienced than we were back then. Laylee runs a very successful podcast and has grown so much and pivoted. And I'm really excited for the conference next year. And if you want a ticket, the details will be in the show notes for today's episode. But before we go, Laylee, where can people find you? And then also, I know you have an ebook that you were going to share with our audience today. Um, And if you'll share about that, we'll link that in the show notes too. Yeah, absolutely. You guys can find me anywhere at Laylee Amati. Um, If you're on Instagram, it's Laylee underscore Amati. Um, Or the Creative Educator Conference. Just type it in and you'll find me. Um, the ebook is great for anybody who is wanting to incorporate education into their business, get started as an educator. Um, it's, it's a pretty hefty little freebie. Um, but I love it. And you can find that at laylemati.com slash ebook. And it's, it's a great resource. Honestly, I got I gotta say, I love that thing. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and we will see you all in two weeks. Yay! Thank you, friend. Thank you so much for listening to Clocking In with Haley Gaffin. For resources mentioned in today's episode, head to gaffincreative.com. If you're a podcaster looking for a community that will help you improve your podcast, make sure you check out Mic Check Society, our community for podcasters who are looking to take their podcast from good to great. Enroll today at micchecksociety.com and use code podcast for $10 off per month. If you love this episode, I'd be honored if you'd leave me a review in the Apple Podcast app. Until next time, I'm your host, Haley Gaffin, clocking out. Thank you.